today about year in focus, um, specifically about using the time. I actually uh, shared with a, a group of pastors this morning um, what our topic was going to be today, and I said, you know, it's interesting to me because I see it happen every year. I see um, whether it doesn't matter whether it's ministers, whether it's churchgoers, people that don't even go to church. Um, I see people come out on social media and and put all this stuff out there about that that this year is going to be the year of this. This year is going to be the year that God does this. This is going to be the year that God gives increase. This is going to be the year that God gives deliverance. This is going to be, and I never see many people saying this is going to be the year that I get committed to God. I just see that everybody puts out there what God's going to do this year as if God wasn't blessing you last year. I ain't going to give you a warm-up time today, I'm just telling you. I, it just it frustrates me when I see this stuff because I say, oh, this is going to be the year of, of, uh, that God gives increase. Would God wasn't able to give you increase last year? He was waiting on 2017? Was that what the deal was? Oh, well, this is going to be the year of God's deliverance. Well, God couldn't deliver you last year? He was holding out? I'm not going to deliver them until 2017. It's 2014, and I, they're just going to hold on for another couple of years. Man, come on. You know, people, people out there, oh, I was praying, and in a dream, God told me this, and he said, this is going to be the year of, of such and such. Man, come on, God. The word says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He didn't all of a sudden decide that, oh, my goodness, it struck midnight. I'll start healing people. Well, come on. I can get an amen on that one. He didn't hit the stroke of midnight and him say, all right, now I can deliver those folks that's been just struggling for the last five years, but it hit 2017, stroke of midnight, I can deliver them. I'm so thankful I've been waiting. You know? Everybody got a word from God that, that God told me this year was going to be the year of double for your trouble. Man, come on. Well, I guess you ought to go get in a whole lot more trouble then because then you'd get double for your trouble. Didn't get much amen on that one either, huh? <laughs> it was year in focus. It needs to be right. And so I have no messages, not today, not in Bible study tonight, not in the next couple of weeks. We're actually going to start a series. We're going to start preaching through Colossians. But um, I'm sorry, I don't have a message for you about all the stuff that God wants to do for you in 2017 because God doesn't really want to do anything any different for you in 2017 that he didn't want to do for you in 2016 or in 2015 or in 2014 or in 2013 or in 2000 or whenever it was. What we really need to be talking about is not what is God going to do for you, but what are you going to do for God because he's been prepared to do for you the whole time. Amen. But we limit him in us, and people go, now wait a minute, now how could you limit God? Because there's certain things, and in the word of God, God says, if my people do this, then I will do this. And when we won't do our part, then it's not that God doesn't have the ability, it's that God has already established what the rules are. And he says, if this is what you do, then here is how I can move in your life. And if you choose to not do those things, then don't think because it hit the stroke of midnight last night and somebody posted, I don't care if they're a famous evangelist or they believe they're a prophet or whatever else, and they put something out there, and you're like, woohoo! If your life is not any different at 12.01 as it was at 11.59, God ain't doing anything any different in your life. Just, sorry. 
You're in focus using the time. Ephesians 5, verses 8 through 17. Here's what it says. Again with verse 8. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Verse 9. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Verse 11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, this is a reference to other scripture, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. You just catch something there for a moment. He just reminded us, he said, anything that is exposed by the light becomes visible for anything that becomes visible is light. So he said, while you got your eyes closed, you're in the dark, you need to wake up and come out of the dead. Therefore, Christ can shine on you because when you got your eyes closed, you can't see the light. Verse 15 and 16, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. King James Version says, redeeming the time. Verse 17, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I, I, I want to share something with you. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop this out here, and then I'm going to walk on, and I'm going to go back to this. But I'm just going to drop a nugget of truth for you. It is astounding to me when we're walking into a new year at how that I have even seen over the last two years, and, and even longer, I've seen people that would not miss church when they needed God to do something in their life. But once they think that God has done that thing in their life, you don't see them hardly anymore. People want you to pray. People want you to be in the altar. People want you to, 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 to have it on your, on your heart. And then when, once God does what they need, all of a sudden, they're, they're nowhere to be found. Other things are more important. Other stuff takes the place of you don't see them in fellowship. You don't see them in church. You don't see them in Bible study. You don't see them coming to your house. You don't see any of that stuff because we have gotten so focused, and that's what I see coming into this New Year stuff. Every year when I see people with social media, it is all about that we are committed to God when we need God to do something for us, but once we think that it has been done, we're through. That commitment's not there anymore. That focus is not there anymore. We just go back to living our lives and doing our thing. This, this passage, he says, At one time you were in darkness, but now you're light. So walk as children of light. He says, quit walking the way you used to walk. If, if we want to reflect on something, I'm not big on New Year's resolutions. I don't like them because I think, why are you waiting until January the 1st? I mean, I, I hear people say that stuff. 
I hear people say stuff like, and I've even said it in my past. I've, I, you know, well, hey, I'm going to start on this weight loss thing. So, man, I'm just, uh, but I'm going to eat like a, like a wild boar all the way through Christmas because then it's going to start January the 1st. Why are you waiting? What's your hold up? Just, yeah, just go Nike. Just do it. You know, I mean, that's what, we, we get into this thing where we just, we're so focused on that we still walk like we used to walk. I think if we need to do anything at the beginning of a new year in this message, it, 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 what we really need to be doing is we need to be reflecting and saying, am I walking like I used to walk? Now, that's a, that's a twofold question. You need to ask that in two different ways. Because you need to stop and ask, I remember what I was like before I came to Christ. See, we can sing these songs. We can sing all this, oh, when I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, how he healed me to the uttermost. When I think about the Lord, how he picked me up and turned me around, placed my feet on solid ground. It makes me want to say, we go, oh, yeah, 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 whoo. Well, then we need to ask that question and say, well, I remember how I used to walk before I came to Christ. Am I seeing that I am drifting more toward walking like I used to walk or walking more like God wants me to walk? Because when we first get saved, there's a church that gets told this in Revelation. It says, oh, I know how, uh, I know how it is that you have... Uh, you, you've hated those that stand against the gospel. You can't stand those that are false prophets, and you've proven them, and, and uh, you, I know your works, and you don't faint and all this, but i got one thing against you. You've, lost, you've left your first love. Y'all remember when you first, the first person, maybe it was, maybe you got married, maybe you haven't been married yet, so, but maybe when, when you first fell in love with somebody, it could have even been when you was in, in grade school. Remember, you thought you was in a little puppy love, and y'all was passing notes. You was trying to be all, guys was trying to be all cool. You was passing notes. You remember that first time you ever sent one, I like you, do you like me? Check below, you know, you had yes and no, and she ever sent it back, and it said yes. You was like, whoa, <laughs> yeah, because then if they sent it back no, you're like, well, I don't care, I didn't really like you anyway, you know. I mean, I was just, you know, I, was, <laughs> I, I mean, I was, I kind of liked you, but, you know, but I could do without you. <laughs> but if they said yes, you know, you were on, he was like, yeah, all right, oh, yeah, I'm the man, you know, player, player, player. And, and, and if, you, if you could get where you could call them on the phone, I've told you all before, you know how it is, you hang up first. No, you hang up. Now, look, all the guys will tell you they, they didn't, wasn't ever part of that. I don't care who initiated it. It might have been the girl. That, well, you hang up first. You still there? <laughs> I didn't want to hang up. You hang up first. You know, you was in. You, you was committed. You was showing up for stuff. You was going anywhere she wanted you to go. Then after a while... What happened? You start getting, oh, it ain't that big a deal. You got dinner ready? No. What do you mean, no? <laughs> After you dodged the frying pan that came your way. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. You want to go out for dinner? <laughs> you paying? <laughs> you know, if we're not careful over time, relationships 
get to where they're so familiar. There, there's an old saying. There's a saying that says familiarity breeds contempt. The more familiar we become with something. You know, that's why people, that's why people stray out of their marriages. That's why people change jobs. That's why people do a lot of things. That's why, you know, men get into their, their 40s or so and they got to have a sports car or, you know, and go through midlife crisis and all that kind of stuff. You know why? Because familiarity, we start to not appreciate that. We're so used to something that we begin to lose uh, an appreciation for what it is. And so we think somewhere there must be something out there, whether it's a car or it's a house or it's a job or it's a person, whatever it is. There must be something that's better, or it's just new. But surprisingly, you'll wear those jeans until they will literally fall off of you because you'll go, well, yeah, but that's my favorite pair of jeans. I love that pair of shoes. I mean, I got them good and broke in. But you throw the important stuff in life to the side. If we're going to go into 2017 really doing something, it needs to be looking and saying, at one time I was in darkness, but now I'm in light. I'm in the light of the Lord, so I need to walk that way. There's an important phrase that he uses here. In verse 9 he says, For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. But catch what he says in verse 11. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. He says, people that are in the light, there is fruit that's developed. But people that are in the dark, there's unfruitful works. Now, we could spend a lot of time just talking about the fact that many times, you know, you'll hear folks that, that uh, they get houseplants. And they won't open the windows and stuff, or they won't put it in front of a window that's open a majority of the time, and then the houseplant dies. Why does it die? One of the main reasons it dies There's two reasons. Because you don't water it, and you don't give it sunlight. When stuff stays in the dark, the only thing that grows in the dark well is mushrooms. And, you ha and usually the way you fertilize mushrooms is, well, that's, that's some stuff that you don't want to talk about. You don't need to take any part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead you need to expose them. You need to do what? You need to put light on it. What happens when you put light on something that is starting to mold and it's starting to decay, sometimes when you, when you start letting light get on something, it'll kill off that stuff that's destroying it. He says it's shameful to even speak of some of the things that people do in secret, but anything that's exposed by the light becomes visible. But the verse that we want to focus the most on is verse 15 and 16. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. Why? Because the days are evil. Paul makes a very clear comparison here. Before Christ, we would waste our time. After Christ, we're to wisely use our time. A lot of people don't want to... Coming into the new year, there's not that many people talking about, well, they'll say, you know, oh, I need to do some things to change my life. That's where New Year's resolutions come from. Well, you know, I, hey, I need to lose weight. Hey, I need to stop doing this. I need to stop smoking. I need to stop doing that. I need to do this or whatever it is. And so they'll make some kind of resolution. But then, as we talked about Wednesday night in reading, actually, the passage directly after this one. The verse that we read Wednesday night that includes the word debauchery that someone stopped and said, hey, what's debauchery? That was great. I love that. 
That comes immediately following this passage. It's the next couple of verses that are here. He says, look, what, what we'll tend to do is we'll come up with these ideas and say, well, I know I need to do these things, but we're not really committed to doing them. And part of it, in reality, is because that if we will look at what this verse says, he says, we're either acting wisely or we're acting unwisely. Making the best use of the time. He doesn't just say making good use of the time. He says making the best use of the time. I've always told people, I'm a process-oriented person, and, and that comes from years as a quality manager first before I went into operations. And, and so to me, I want you to follow a process. It says do A, B, C, and D, and therefore you'll get E. Now, if you start trying to skip stuff and you start trying to cut corners, then you can't get a predictable E result. You'll kind of get E squared, you know, or E minus, or E something. I always tell people, I say, look, they'll say, well, but I could get there. I could get to that result by doing this. I said, yeah, that is a good way, but it is not the best way. There is a way that seems right unto man. Oh, well, but the end thereof, the Bible says, is death. There's a way that seems good. There are good things that you can do with your life, but they're not the best things that you can do with your life. It's not that they are bad. It's not that they're evil. It's not, but they are not best. If you're going to do something, there is a way that's fastest. There is a way that's the most predictable. There is a way, there's a way that's safest. There is a way that is most proven. There, there are those things, and they become the best way. And he says here, he doesn't say, don't use your time badly, use it in a good way. He says, use it in the best way, making the best use of the time. Now, I, I, I wish that, that we could really say that after everyone comes to Christ, then we wisely use our time. But we just know that's not true. We know that often we're not wisely using our time. And all of us, every single one of us struggle with this. There is stuff that we do that is not the wisest use of our time. But, but how did Paul say that believers waste the time that they're given? And we saw it in this one scripture where he said, here's what happens. When believers waste their time, they have unfruitful works. Because now what a lot of people would tend to want to tell you is they would say, well, what the, what the Bible's trying to say here is that, that you, everything you do needs to be spiritual. Now, I will tell you that everything in your life has a spiritual impact, but not everything you do in your life is spiritual. Right? It's, not, it's not a spiritual focus, but it does have a spiritual impact. If you're out in the yard throwing a baseball with your child, Throwing a frisbee, throwing a football. That in and of itself is not spiritual. But it does have a spiritual impact if that becomes a connection, if that becomes a discussion, if that becomes uh, time well spent and, and, and encouraging, then it has a spiritual impact because it builds relationship. 
Now, in the same way, you go out and get drunk with everybody and y'all hanging out talking about the women walking by or the guys walking by or whatever it is that's walking by because you don't know sometimes nowadays, then, then what? I'm just saying. Then, then that's unfruitful. But it is building relationship. It's just building bad relationship. So if he says that, that those who are wasting time who are not doing what God intends or participating in unfruitful works, which he said in that scripture. He said, you are to take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead you need to expose that stuff. Well, then what is an unfruitful work? Well, we need to understand the positive side. We need to understand, and we talked about this on a Wednesday night, about fruitful. The, there's, I, I got you two different... Two different sources of definition. This is not spiritual definitions. This is just looking it up online, getting some Merriam-Webster and another source of definitions. The first one is that fruitful means producing good or helpful results. And the second one is productive or conducive to producing in abundance. I liked that, that description as well. I, I, I like them together because the producing good or helpful results... Think about, there are things that you do, and if they do not produce a good or a helpful result, then they are producing a bad and a negative result. They don't help you. Toward, have you ever said that to somebody? Have you ever said, would you quit saying that because that's not helping? Right? Usually it's when your kids are, one of them's dogging the other one out about something. You're trying to correct something, and the other one decides, oh, I'm going to jump in because mom or dad's getting on them, so I'm getting in on this too. Yeah, I told you you weren't supposed to be doing that, right? You know, you're, you're sitting there trying to correct. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, told you. Told you he's going to get in trouble. Yeah, told you I was going to. Stop. You are not helping. What you are doing is unfruitful. It's not producing good or helpful results. In fact, all you're doing is making them mad at you. It's kind of like when you are trying to correct something and somebody just starts keep talking, you go, just stop talking. You're not helping. You're not helping your own cause. Just stop and do. I have employees over the years that are you know, in that situation. Somebody's just absolutely done something wrong, didn't follow process. Bird knows. I mean, Honda's just, they live and die on processes. Somebody didn't follow the process, and instead of just owning up, I've watched it happen before. I've watched one of my guys that work for me that be a supervisor be talking to one of his, one of his people. I go, all right, look, it's apparent that you didn't. No, 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 I start. And they start trying to argue, and I'm watching that supervisor just get irritated. Until finally, I, I, you know, you just want to step in and go, look, if you'd have just accepted that you didn't do right to begin with, because now you done got them upset that now you're trying to now you're trying to gloss it over and you're trying to make excuses. Now he's he just was gonna kind of correct you to begin with, but now he's about ready to discipline you. <laughs> right? You, what you're doing is not helping. When when we get involved in unfruitful works, it's things that don't help. We're doing something, we're participating in something, but it's not moving our family forward. It's not moving our spiritual life forward. It's not moving our attitude or our mood forward. It's not moving a project forward. It's not, it's not positive. Oftentimes, when people start struggling with something, and, and there's an old, another old saying. Old sayings tell us a lot. 
Misery loves what? Company. Well, in other words, when, when people start getting dissatisfied, they want to find somebody else that's dissatisfied so they can sit there and tell each other how dissatisfied they are and get even more dissatisfied. They don't want somebody to go, you know, somebody, oh, let me tell you about how bad everything's been. It's this and it's that and it's ball. They don't want somebody to look at them and say, hey, but let me tell you about my friend that, that uh, you know, man, he, he, uh, he had an accident, lost his sight. Man, you can still see. I got another friend that, man, he lost his hearing this year. Man, you're still, you're still able to hear all of the, the very complaints that you're making. Got a friend that their child's got, got MS or their child's got several paws away. He can't even communicate. But you're able to, to verbalize what you're upset about. Man, you got a lot of things to be thankful for. Man, just, just leave me alone. Why? I'm trying to encourage you being fruitful stuff to recognize, not, not ignoring the reality of, of negative things that happen, but not getting our eyes focused on the speck of pepper on the, on, on the wall. But being able to look and say, hey, man, there's many things. Fruitful, move us forward, do something that's positive. But I also like the second definition, productive or conducive to producing in abundance. In other words, it doesn't just produce some fruit, it is fruitful. It speaks of abundance. It speaks of something that does, it doesn't just replicate once, but it replicates in multiples. It's kind of like planting corn. If, if all you had when you, you, you went to planting some corn in a field and then a stalk popped up and you go, oh, there's, there's an ear of corn. And you open it up and there's a cob and one kernel of corn on it. And there's only one ear on the stalk. You go, well, man, that's a pretty much a waste of time. I, you know, I put, a, I put a kernel in the ground, up pops a stalk, one ear, one kernel on there. That's a waste. You expect that if you go put a kernel in the ground, you want that stalk to come up and it have six or eight ears of corn on it. And when you pop open, you, you start shucking that thing, that all of a sudden you go, man, look at all these kernels. And this one produced in multiples because it is what? It is fruitful. So when you look back on 2016, oh, now we've, oh, now we, oh, I just feel this one coming. Now, when we look back on 2016, you need to stop and say, where did I spend my time this year? Where did I spend my efforts? What was I doing this year, and what did it produce? Because I will tell you this, there are things that are fruitful, but they're bad. You can drunk drive once and spend years in jail. You can, you can cheat once. And lose years of marriage. You can tell a lie once and lose a job of 15 years. It was fruitful. <laughs> it, it multiplied. It created. It just wasn't good stuff. So in the biblical sense, fruitful is not just that it multiplies, but that it is positive. It is positive fruit that it produces because there are many things that produce in multiples but yet you don't want it you don't want it it's a domino effect 
So being fruitful includes being productive or conducive to producing an abundance. So when you look back on 2016 and you say, how's my spiritual life? What's my spiritual growth like at the end of 2016 versus at the beginning of 2016? Did I do things that caused my spiritual life to multiply, to produce in abundance? Did I lead somebody to Christ this year? How many times did I actually share the gospel with somebody this year? And I understand, I hear a lot of people, it's just sorry excuses, I'm going to be honest with you, but I hear a lot of people saying that, well, you know, I just don't feel comfortable sharing the gospel. I'm sorry. What, you're really, honestly, come on. You're telling me that you know that you are going to die and and go to hell for eternity, and Jesus paid the price, and you came to realize that. You heard the, the Holy Spirit drawing you to him. You accepted that. But you just don't feel like you ought to have to tell anybody else so that they won't die and go to hell. Really? What have we done this year? And, and, and this sermon is not about, this is not about a works-based thing. I want you to understand that. It's the reality that, it's, it's like the old joke that people say, you know, the, the old farmer and his wife, and they've been married for 50 years, and she looked at him and said, you know, you don't ever tell me that you love me. He said, if I told you 50 years ago, and if it changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> well, now all you ladies know it don't work like that, right? You need, you need somebody to tell you they love you. And girl, you look pretty. Even without your makeup. It's not about, it's not about a works-based thing. It is about that the reality is, is if you have a true relationship with Jesus Christ, there will be things that happen in your life that you commit yourself to, that you do, that you find in God's Word that will be productive or they will be conducive to producing in abundance. What are... What are fruitful things that Christ followers can do in 2017? Well, just think through some of the basics. For yourself, what's some fruitful things that you could do regarding the Bible? There's a lot of people. I mean, I'll tell you, it, it shocks me sometimes when I hear responses to questions or I, 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 I hear things when people say, well, I just can't imagine that God this or I can't believe it. Well, that's just because you don't read the Bible. If you read what God wrote, you'll kind of know what God says. You read what God wrote, you'll what he inspired, then you'll know what God would think. If you read what, I, I hear all this, you know, well, what would Jesus do? You don't need to know what would Jesus do. You need to know what did, what did Jesus do. We, we all trying to figure out in some obscure situation what would Jesus do, but we're not doing what Jesus did. I mean, what Jesus did was he went, to, he went to sinners that needed him and he, and he shared who he was and he preached the gospel and he taught. And the Bible says, and as was his custom, he was in the, he was in, in the temple on the Sabbath day. He went to church, he shared the message of the gospel, and he went to those that needed him. He didn't hang out all the time with people that were just like him and a whole bunch of Christian folks. Now, this is hard, but I'm telling you, in 2017, you need to find some people. You ain't going to hear this in too many churches around Aniston today. But, But in 2017, you need to find some people that you can cultivate a relationship with that need to know Jesus Christ. Now, if, if you're a, 
If you're not mature in your faith, you need to cultivate that relationship alongside a mature believer. Because you don't need to go. I'm not talking about you need to go hang out with people that are doing drugs. I'm not talking about you need to go hang out with everybody that you used to drink with. I'm not talking about you need to go hang out with everybody that you used to run around on your spouse with. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you need to find some people that need Jesus. And if it's having breakfast with them, you know, once a week or every couple of weeks, or if it's inviting them over to your house for dinner to be around your family and, and get around the barbecue pit and do something, you need to spend some time. Because that's how you're going to get an opportunity to lead somebody to Christ. That's how you're going to get an opportunity to invest into somebody. That's how you're going to get an opportunity to be able to hone and perfect being able to share the gospel. Not in some, not in about some polished. Oh, I'm going to go through step A, B, C, D, E, F, G. There's people that don't want to hear the gospel from you because they don't know you. They don't have a relationship with you. They may hear it, they may listen, but I'm telling you, if we will invest into people on an individual basis, it's not about just inviting people to church. It's just not. Now, you can throw all the stats out about how many people, you know, folks would come to church if somebody invited them. You know what, though? You need to go really read into that stat. What it really says is that if somebody that knows them would invite them to church, then they would come to church. It's not just saying that, that you go out here and you find 10 people on the street you ain't never seen in your life. Go, hey, why don't you come over to Union Point Church? Who are you? Now, you might get some folks to come. That's great. Fantastic. Do it. Invite everybody you want to invite. But you need to be investing in the people that you know, that you're around, that you're in a workplace. Not with the goal of trying to get them into this church. I don't really care if, if you ever get somebody to darken the door of this church or they go to some other church or whatever else. I want to see people get their lives changed by the power of Jesus Christ in 2017. And if that means that you lead them to Christ and tell them you need to find a Bible-believing church that's near to your house because you don't live right over here, fantastic, because that means you are doing fruitful works and not unfruitful works. God will take care of what needs to happen here if you take care of what God wants to happen where you are. Fruitful things that Christ followers can do in 2017. What about prayer? How's your prayer life been in 2016? Consistent, inconsistent. Focused on you or focused on trying to hear from God? Focused on talking to God about everything that you need to happen in your life or listening to God? Combining the word in the Bible and, and prayer. What about service? I'm not talking about services. I'm not talking about Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, although, hey, I, I firmly believe uh, we sat here talking with somebody Wednesday uh, some of the men did, and a conversation started up about how that um, one of our guys made the statement. He said, "Look, man," he said, "Sunday night is an opportunity for you to to learn." We, you know, the, the ladies meet, the guys meet. We're, we're sitting there just walking through. We're walking through Philippians. I know we've had a lot going on on Sunday nights here recently, but he said, "Man, you gotta you gotta do this stuff." I'm not talking about services. I'm talking about you serving God. And specifically, I'm talking about serving God by serving others. Spending some time, it's amazing how that when we spend time focused on something other than ourselves, it changes our mood, it changes our perspective, it changes our appreciation to God. You go, you go serve 
someone who doesn't have your family, it'll make you go home and appreciate your family. You go, you go interact with an older person that hadn't had anybody show up and visit them in the home that they're in for the last two years, it'll make you go home and want to go see your mama or your daddy or whoever you got. You, you go serve a, a child who doesn't have any parents, and it'll make you understand your responsibilities and your connection to your children. It'll make you understand and appreciate maybe your relationship with your parents. Or it'll make you reflect on what you went through and didn't have with your parents and say, I'm going to make sure that never happens with me with my kids. When you serve, when you do for others, particularly when you do for others who have no way to do back for you, there's not anything you need from them. There's not anything. Because then there is no reciprocity. There is no, I'm going to do this and you're going to do this for me. That's the old, I'll scratch your back, you scratch my back. That's not serving. That's bartering. You didn't serve anybody if you did something for them so that they will do something for you. You didn't serve. That's just a, that's a business deal. I'm talking about serving where you go just to do. And that doesn't have to be through an organized church thing. That may be somebody in your community. That may be somebody that you come across. God will put people across your path. I firmly believe this. If you pursue God in 2017 saying, God, I want you to give me opportunities to serve. What about your personal growth? And I'm not just talking spiritual. I'm talking about your whole being. How'd your health do in 2017? What'd you do about it? I should say. We can't, we're, all, we're all headed toward the process of dying. I mean, let's just be honest. The moment we were born, we started heading toward that process. I'm talking about what are you doing about it? What about your, your knowledge on your own job? Are you reading anything? Are you doing anything to study and grow in your knowledge? You just, I know what I'm doing. I've been doing it for 10 years. I'm just going to keep on going. I was reading, I was reading a stat. It was a, a little picture somebody had put together from, a, from some think tank. And they were talking about it's like 33% of all high school graduates in the United States will never read a full book the rest of their life. Once they graduate high school, they will never again read a full book. 33%. Then it went on to how it, it was in the high, I want to say it was in the high 80% that had not read a full book in the last year. It goes through all this stuff saying, we, we, we just shut off. And now we've turned on to, well, I'll just watch a TED talk or I'll just pull up something on YouTube or whatever else, but not actually taking and reading. And, and the scary thing to me is, is then it makes me wonder, do people read the Word? Caleb's a history. He really likes history, and uh, and so I've gotten I've gotten hooked into. I'm reading about Madison and Monroe and their their congressional race right now, and how that it that it actually led to the Bill of Rights and and there's interesting stuff out there, y'all. You find stuff you need to know about how this country came about, about how that that had it not been for certain things happening a certain way that we wouldn't have some of the freedoms that we have. We would have a totally different country than what we have today. Personal growth. Okay, what about God's Word itself? What are we doing in God's Word? What are we doing in, in are we further along in being able to teach someone else about God and about the spiritual life and to help them mature than we were a year ago? 
Can you really look at your life and say, here are two or three areas where I know that God calls me to grow. I learned more. I learned more scripture about these situations in my life. And now I have a better grasp of that than I had one year ago. I'm not trying to make everybody feel bad at the end of 2016. Trying to get you prepared for 2017. But look, so in 2017, what about people? We, we get where we say, oh, this year I want to accomplish this project or I want to go to this place or, or I'm going to develop this plan, but we miss out on people. And, and the reality is, is that when I look back at my life, and I would think the same is true with you, when you look back on significant moments in your life, was it really the place or the plan or the project, or did do you remember more about the people associated with it? How many of you, you could reflect back on something? All the way back to your childhood. And you, you remember some details about but what you really remember were the people you did it with. The people that you experienced it with. Whether it was a bad experience. There's people that they remember something that happened at a funeral. They remember someone coming up and saying something very special to them in the midst of chaos. A lot of, they, a lot of times they don't remember what the minister said. They don't remember the songs that were... But they remember some person came up and shared something with them and they will never forget it. In 2017, the things that you feel that you need to do, even when it comes to the Word, even when it comes to prayer, even when it comes to service, even when it comes to personal growth, how does it involve people? If, we're gonna, if the kingdom of God is going to grow, it grows with people. Encouragement during difficult times comes mo most readily, I believe, from people. Now, I believe that that people side includes God. I believe it includes God being involved in our life, but it does not mean that God is involved in our life in isolation. When we look back on 2016, were your interactions with people fruitful? Did you put conscious effort into using and making the best use of the time that you have with people? I can guarantee you, that there are probably folks sitting here today that you lost people this year. There are many that you may have thought you were going to lose people this year. And the reality is, some of us will lose people this next year. It'll just happen. Then in 2017, making the best use of the time, not walking in unfruitfulness, not walking in darkness, but walking in God's light, should people not be important? You know, as far as unfruitfulness, Matthew chapter 13, verse 22 says this. This is the story of the, uh, most people call it the parable of the sower, but really it's the parable of the ground, the parable of the soils. Because the sower is the same and the seed is the same. The only thing that changes is the soils. But right in the middle of this is this statement. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, notice this, things, choke the word and it proves what? Unfruitful. 
The things around us tend to cause us to lose focus on eternal things while we focus on temporal things. We get so focused on riches, cares of this world, trying to get a promotion, trying to do all this stuff, that we lose sight of the things that will be fruitful in our life. And all of a sudden our time is just spent. I mean, how many times have you got to the end of the week and realized, man, the whole week's gone, and I really don't even, I just went to work, got up, went to work, came home, ate, and went to bed. If we're not intentional, I don't care if it's even 30 minutes out of the day, if we're not intentional, a week will go by, and we don't really know anything that we did besides just going through the motions of getting up, go to work, come home. Didn't really grow spiritually. I didn't really do anything. I just went through all that stuff. And then all of a sudden, two weeks, and then a month, and all of a sudden, it's the middle of the year, and all of a sudden, hey, it's only three months till Christmas, and then boom, the year's gone by. We go, I really don't know. I just I did a lot of the stuff that I normally do, but I don't really have any recognition of how I grew this year. The powerful statement that's in that passage to end. Look carefully then how you walk. Listen to that. He says, if you don't pay attention, if you're not careful, then you're going to walk in an unwise manner. Every one of us, every one of us is given the same resource for 2017. For every day that we're alive, we all have the same thing. It's all a level playing field. You've got 24 hours. How you spend it is up to you. Yes, you may have to go to a job. We have to go and, and take care of those things. We've got families. We've got a God to serve. We've got a mind to sharpen, a body to keep from degrading as much as we can. We've got all these things. You don't have any less. You don't have 23 hours and everyone else has 24. Nobody has 25 all got the same. He says, so be careful how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time. So in 2017, how are you going to keep your year in focus? 